Well, good morning, everyone. It's so awesome to, to see you guys. Thank you for coming to Radius Church. It is uh, an honor to, to see you all. Uh, not having mask on, too, so I can see you all guys' beautiful faces, see your smiles and everything. It makes my job a lot easier standing up here when I can see smiles and reactions and things like that. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, I am so thankful and so excited to have the opportunity to deliver the word this morning. And um, before I get into it, I would like to take a moment to thank the elders that we have here at Radius Church. Um, Coach Kimball, um, you sitting over there. Um, Mr. Banaski, Mr. Banaski's right there. Uh, Mr. Chris Peterson's over there. My basketball coach, Coach Graw, he's sitting over there. Um, those are all great men, um, great men in Christ, um, influencers in more ways than one and have greatly impacted me the way that I go about my Christian life and my walk and my everyday spiritual disciplines. I can truthfully say that all four of those men have greatly changed who I am for the better, and I couldn't be more thankful for the fact that they gave me this opportunity um, to stand here and deliver the word. It's big shoes that I'm attempting to fill, but they trusted me enough to stand up and deliver the word this morning, so thank you guys so much for that. Um, before we get into the word, let's open in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us a beautiful day, Lord, allowing all of us to, to come here safely, to meet in time of worship and time of fellowship, to spend time in your word, learn more about you, learn more about your character, and the things that you do in our life that we may not see, the things that may not be very evident to our eyes. Um, you show us that in ways that it's kind of hard to comprehend at times, but we pick up on it, and we thank you so much for that. I pray that the word this morning that I deliver is powerful, that it connects with everybody, and that everybody that leaves today, they leave a changed person, and a changed person in the better, in your eyes, in your sight, and to the sight of others, Lord. I thank you for another beautiful day, dear God, and I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So, quick question. Who here is a fan of sports? Athletics. Anybody? Oh, quite a few. Quite a few. I love to see that. <laughs> Last night, I was watching the, the UFC pay-per-view, UFC 275. Um, I'm not real big on UFC, but um, I was bored. I had nothing better to do, so I decided to put the pay-per-view on. And I was just taken aback by the intensity that those fighters had when they were going against each other. I said, man, like, it's truly special to see what those guys do in their perspective sport. I'm a basketball player, so I cannot relate to their, their world, their realm whatsoever. Um, and then I'm seeing their faces and the welts and everything they have after the fight. I mean, they have, their foreheads are swollen. They have these big gashes over their eyes, completely busted up, blood coming down their faces. And they're doing post-fight interviews, whether they won or lost, uh, they had to do a post-fight interview. And they stood there and they had the humility to say, props to my opponent, my opponent that beat me. He was, he was the better fighter that day. She was the better fighter that day. And I think, man, that's probably really difficult for them to do. 
to be on the biggest stage that they could possibly be on. The UFC is the biggest fighting platform in the world. And they're in the main event. They're on the main card. So how they have it set up is they have uh, early prelims, prelims, and then they have the main card. So the main card was three fights. I watched the three fights on the main card, and I was just so impressed that they had the, the control to express how they were feeling after the fight, immediately after the fight, after they got knocked out or submitted, whatever the case may have been. They expressed how they were feeling immediately afterwards. And then, as I said, they expressed how thankful they were for their opponent and congratulated them on the victory. And the night before, I was watching the, I was watching the NBA Finals. It's the Golden State Warriors versus the Boston Celtics. Very entertaining series as of right now. It's dead even. Two wins to two, it's, it's crazy. If you guys aren't tuned in, I highly suggest you guys start watching it. It's a very entertaining series, to say the least. But with all those athletes in common, whether they're in the UFC, whether they're in the NBA, or NFL, NHL, what all these athletes have in common is that they're at the highest level of their sport. I could only imagine how much time and effort and work that they had to put in in order to get to that point that they're at. And that's not enough. They're there, and they're still losing. They're still falling short after years of practice, years of work. They're there at this stage, millions of people watching, and they're falling short. They're losing. And as a basketball player, I see that, and I'm just, my breath is taken away. Because there was a point in time where I had the same admirations to be at the position that they're in today. To be a basketball player at the highest platform in the world, the National Basketball Association, where I just mentioned the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics are playing. That was my goal for such a long time. That was my dream. So I said, you know what, I have to do everything that I can to get there, and I'm going to work. And then when I was 15 years old, the University of Iowa, up in Iowa City, they reached out, and they said, we see the talent that you have, and we want you. I said, wow, Division I, the highest level of college basketball. I'm one step closer to achieving my dream. And then after the University of Iowa reached out, Iowa State University reached out. They said, hey, we want you to make a trip down to Ames, Iowa, to come work out for us. So I said, okay, that's another opportunity. That's fantastic. And then I have a, I have a connection with Chicago State University, and I had another opportunity to go there and work out as well, another Division I institution. So that's three opportunities there to get further along with my dream of playing the National Basketball Association. I'm so excited. And all this has happened when I'm 15 years old. So my mindset changed. I said, okay, I'm going to the NBA now. I'm not going no lower than that. That was my mindset at 15. So fast forward, I turned 16. And the University of Iowa said that your skill set and your athleticism didn't progress the way that we were hoping it would. So. We're no longer as interested as we were in you as a prospect. 
I made the trip up to Ames, Iowa for a workout with Iowa State University, and I injured my ankle on that trip. And they said, you know what? We want you to go see our trainer. The trainer looked at my ankle. He said, you cannot compete. So then they gave the opportunity to work out to another prospect that was there that day. And so I said, I reached out to the Chicago State coach. I said, this is my last option. Let's make this workout happen. My ankle is fully healed. Let's do it. The coach says, no. You can't come work out. We gave that last scholarship to another prospect. And so that quickly, I'm 16 years old, and all of my opportunities are gone. And I'm sitting there wondering, like, what's next for me? I'm discouraged. I'm just like, that was my dream. That was the only thing I was striving towards. And now that that is no longer a realistic option or a possibility for me, I don't know what's next. But it was at that point that I went to the scriptures. I went to the book of Galatians. And I was able to have a very eye-opening conversation with, with my youth pastor, with my youth pastor at our church. And he said, I know that was your dream. I know that was what you wanted. That was what you were striving towards. But that's not God's vision for you. That's not what he had in store for you. So you cannot force yourself to change God's way. You're not physically capable of doing that. So you have to go with it. And the opportunities are going to be there. Because he's not going to give you nothing more than you can handle. And then the opportunity to attend the Mayors Bible College came about my senior year. And the opportunity was just so enticing that I jumped all over it. And to this day, I realized that God's plan for me prevailed. And I'm so glad that it did. Because if had I went to the University of Iowa or Iowa State University or Chicago State University, I wouldn't be here today delivering the message. And I wouldn't have it any other way. But it took me a while to trust in God's process for me. And so that's why I think this passage here in Galatians, it connects with what we can actually do as humans as opposed to what God can do for us as humans. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 to 16, it says, We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being is justified. You guys kind of see a theme in these two verses? If you guys didn't, I made sure I put it in red and underlined it so it's, so it's easier to notice. But the Apostle Paul in these two verses says justified three times. And he says works of the law three times. 
And so from what I've learned in my, my time at Emmaus when it comes to interpreting the word for all it's worth, usually whenever an author is showing a repetition of words such as this, he is really strongly trying to drive that point home. And yeah. okay, this is what I'm saying. Do you get it? This is what I'm saying. Do you get it? This is what I'm saying. Do you get it? He doesn't want you to miss it. And that's why he says justified and works for law on three different occasions. Now, what is justified? What, what, what is justification? Justification is the act of being declared righteous. It's the exact opposite of condemnation. When you stand condemned before somebody or you stand condemned before God, you're guilty of the things that you did. You did something wrong. You committed a wrong act. And you have to pay the price for what you did. But when you stand justified, that wrong has been forgiven. You no longer bear the pressure and the weight that comes with whatever it is you did because you have been justified. But this justification is not something that we can earn. It's not attainable by our own merit. We can't just say, you know what? I've done so many bad things in my life. I need to figure out what it is I can do to be redeemed for all the bad stuff that I've done. But justification doesn't work that way. It comes from Christ Jesus. And it comes from him alone. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's nothing that we can do to say, you know what, I've done all this good. I deserve to be forgiven for all the bad that I've done in my life. I deserve it. That's not possible. It's through Christ Jesus that we're able to achieve that. It's through Christ Jesus that we're able to stand before others saying, you know what? I stand before you a forgiven person for everything that I've done, for everything that I did. I have been forgiven. I've been redeemed. It's only because of Christ Jesus that we can say that. Can I get an amen? We're not justified by keeping the law. So what, what does he mean by works of the law? What's, what's, the, what's the significance? Why does he say that phrase three times in this passage? The initial understanding of how you could be justified was that you can earn it, that you can do so much good, and then you can stand righteous before God. That was the initial understanding, but that was the incorrect understanding of what that was. And so he's explaining that what it is, but then he's also explaining that you can't earn it. And so we now understand, because he said it three times, that we're not justified by keeping the law. A question that a lot of my friends And I do have people that in my life who I consider friends that I'm trying to lead them closer to Christ. I'm trying to lead them closer to the gospel because circumstances, things, and things have happened in their life that's caused them to veer off that path, if they were ever on it, that is. And they always ask me, so since we're justified by our faith in God, doesn't that mean it's perfectly okay to sin? Doesn't that mean it's perfectly okay to lie, to worship 
false idols, to commit adultery whenever we want. Because we can't earn that, God gave it to us. So because that's the case, doesn't that mean that we're allowed to just sin whenever we may please? And I can't, I can't drive it home enough that that is not what the Apostle Paul is saying in this passage, and that is certainly not what God meant when he sent his son to die for us. That was not his vision. That was not what he had planned. If you go to verse 17, it says, But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified. Oh, there goes that word again. Justified. While seeking to be justified by Christ. Is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. See, it's true. We're justified in Christ. Righteousness comes from him. That's the only place it comes from. He's the only true author of righteousness. The only true author of redemption. There's no other way to achieve it. There's no other way to obtain it. And so because of that, we're united with him. We're now bonded with him for eternity. There's nothing that we can do or nothing that we can say to be separated from the power of Christ. He's working in our lives every single day. Every single word that we say, every single step that we take, every location that we drive to, whenever we go to work, whenever we shoot a basketball, whenever we put on the helmet to play football, everything we do, Christ is with us. And Christ is in our lives. We can't get away from him. And that's a great thing. It's a great thing that we can't run from Christ, that we can't run from his power. But it means that because he's with us, this righteousness that comes from him that is so divine, that is so ultimate, that is so good. We share it now. And so what that means is our actions and the things that we do, the things that we say, they have impact. And they're more powerful than what we think more times than not. The power of tongue is a concept that a lot of people truly don't understand but need to develop a better understanding of. We have the ability to damage and ruin lives with the things that come out of our mouth. And that's why it's so important that we understand that Christ is there and we let him do the work in our life that we need him to do. Because apart from him, oh man, we're going to ruin so many people's lives. Because apart from him, he's not working in us. He's not empowering us. He's not making us stronger if we're apart from him. I mean, we are just natural, sinful, imperfect beings. We'll never be able to emulate Christ in the way that he's so divine, he's so perfect. We'll never be able to fully emulate that. But in the book of Ephesians, he tells us to do your absolute best to be like me. And yes, you will fall short. He says that in the book of Romans. That all fall short of my glory. But he's not expecting perfection from us. He's expecting us to trust in him. To have faith in him. To trust in what he's doing in our lives. That's what he's expecting. And that's what we have to do. 
We have to place our trust in somebody that will never disappoint us. Place our trust in somebody that will never fail. That will never let us trip up, trip up on our feet and fall flat on our faces and stay there. With Christ, we'll always get back up. Apart from Christ, we won't. And for that reason, we should put our utmost, absolute, completely undivided trust into him. When we trust in Christ rather than trust in ourselves, we're admitting the fact that we're sinners. We're admitting the fact that we're not perfect, that we need Christ. That's what he wants. He wants admission. Christ, I'm not perfect. I need you. I need you in my life. Without you, I'm nothing. When we trust in Christ, we're admitting that that's who we are. And as I said, we can't be declared righteous by our own merits. But God accepts us even though we are sinners. Even though he knew that we were going to be sinners. He still accepts us for who we are. So that pardon that he gave, we should not take that as permission to be fine with sin, to accept sin. To be like, you know what, I, I can't stop sinning. I just live this ultimately sinful life. I can't get away from it. That doesn't mean we accept that. That's who we are. But that's something that as a Christian we have to fight every single day. There's not one moment that goes by that we can't give in to the temptation to do things that we shouldn't do. And it's challenging. It's difficult. And God knows that. But God says, trust in me. I don't expect perfection. I expect trust. And in return, I will pass on to you a love that is so overwhelming, that is so powerful, that you will never be able to fully comprehend it. And that's the power of Christ in our lives. We go to the book of 2 Corinthians, another book written by the Apostle Paul. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. So since we died with Christ, the penalty that sin and the penalty that the law had on us has now been officially terminated. It's been officially deleted. Because God sent somebody down to take that weight off of us. So that's gone. But as I said, this does not mean that we're free to live our life however we may please. But instead what that means, with us being a new creation in Christ, it means that we are to live our lives for God. Not to live our lives opposed from God or to live our lives in the way that we want to live it. Because we are created new and, he, and we bear his image and he loves on us as much as he does. That means we owe it to him to live our lives for him. Not according to what anybody else says, according to what the scripture says. 
And that's why this biblical foundation that we have is so powerful. And we have to use it to our full advantage. Meditating on the word is so important. Because he gives us everything we need in the Bible to live our life. How he wants us to act. How he wants us to treat people. How he wants us to fully trust in him. Instead of trusting ourselves. What we're capable of doing. Because by our own power we're not capable of much. We're capable of very few. Are we going to be be able to accomplish some things by ourselves? Yeah. But are we going to be able to accomplish nearly as much as what we could with Christ empowering us? Absolutely not. Back to chapter 2 in Galatians, verses 18 and 19. It says, if I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I die to the law, so that I might live for God. What you see a lot in this passage is the Apostle Paul showing his emotion. Because time and time again, he finds himself in a situation where he has to defend himself from criticism or some sort of objection for something that he said or something that he stands for. He's constantly taking this stance like, ah, I'm taking all these punches. Like, I have to, I have to say these things to let them know that, that that's not true. That's false. That's not who I am. That's not what I stand for. And so he needed some sort of conviction and some sort of reassurance to be able to keep fighting this, these attacks that he was receiving. And what was that assurance, you might be wondering? That assurance was God sending his son to die for us. And that was all the Apostle Paul needed. See, Christ suffered the worst penalty of the law for us. He suffered the worst possible penalty for us. And because of that, it no longer has a claim onto us. You go to the book of Romans in chapter 6, verses 10 through 14. Uh, Romans chapter 6 is a phenomenal passage. Phenomenal. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So, you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you're not under the law. You're under grace. So powerful. The fact that God let his own son be crucified was the conviction that the apostle Paul needed. It was the proof that he needed to understand that righteousness could be attained in no other fashion but from faith in Christ Jesus. And after this conviction, he went on in verse 20 in chapter 2 of Galatians to say what is, in my opinion, 
the most powerful saying that's ever been said. In verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As I said, the Apostle Paul needed that affirmation. He needed that confirmation. And once he got it, he went on to say this. And he meant it with the utmost conviction. And that's what made it so strong. That's what made it so powerful. He said, I don't live. It's no longer me. It's Christ Jesus. And it's Christ Jesus empowering me. Why? Because he loved me. He gave himself for me. In our lives, we need faith. But our faith is never going to be perfect. And for that reason, it's not capable of saving us. Our faith alone is not enough for redemption. It's not enough to stand justified, to stand righteous before God. Our faith alone is not enough. That's not going to get the job done. But our faith and his faithfulness together, that's all sufficient. That's what we need. We have to combine our faith with his faithfulness. And it's at that point that we're showing that we really trust in God. And it's at that point that we're in full admission that we're sinners. And that we need Christ empowering us. We can't live this life apart from him. And the assurance that the Apostle Paul gave us in this passage showed that he needed that. And once he got it, he felt that love and he felt that empowerment. And he understood what it truly meant at that point. And then he went on to become one of the greatest apostles the world will ever see because Christ empowered him. Lastly, in verse number 21 in chapter 2 of Galatians, it says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. See, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a huge part of our foundation as believers in Christ Jesus. That's the very premise that we stand on. And so when you have that understanding and somebody says that being justified in his eyes and his sight, that it's attainable just by works, by things that we do, or when somebody says that salvation can be earned, that's downplaying the significance of the decision that God made to send his son for us. And you're ultimately downplaying his authority when you have that mindset. And I can say that there was a point in time where I had that mindset. When my dream was to go to the NBA and I had these top-of-the-line Division I schools saying, we're interested in you, that was my mindset. My mindset was that I could do it by myself. If I work harder than everybody else, if I put more of myself into my craft than everybody else, then that's enough. Then I'll get there. 
because hard work will always be talent when talent doesn't work hard. That was the, the quote that was instilled in my mind by so many coaches. And so I just went with it. But then it proved to be false. It wasn't true. Because there were so many people that I knew I put in more effort and work in, that I wanted it more than they did. But they got the opportunity instead of me. I said, why? Because works isn't enough. It's by Christ Jesus that that's possible. And that wasn't the design that he had in store for me. And I tried to go against his design by forcing it. I reached out to those coaches after they already said that that window was closed. I said, I I just want an opportunity. Please, give me this chance to show you that I belong here and you will not regret it. I was trying to force myself through a closed door instead of accepting the open one that Christ had for me. I was downplaying the significance that Christ was playing in my life. And once I realized that, and I accepted that, the wonders and the works that Christ did in my life was truly astounding. And it's because of that that I'm the person I am today. And it's the reason that the Apostle Paul was the person that he was. It was because of Christ Jesus. God would not let the Messiah suffer the worst death known to mankind unless it was absolutely necessary. So with that being the case, we have to know that if it wasn't because of that, we would live in a world and we would be in a situation in our lives that we just have no direction. We wouldn't know what's next. We wouldn't know where to go if it wasn't for Christ showing us. The Messiah dying was necessary for us. And it's important that we trust in that foundation that God gave us. You guys want to know the truth about Christianity? The truth is is that our biggest need is to stand before the Father himself, justified. Our biggest need is to stand before him declared righteous in his eyes. If we don't have that, (laughs) there's no direction. Where are we going to go? What's going to happen next? We don't know. But we know it's not good. And we know that we're not justified by our works. We're not justified by the things that we do. We're justified by putting our full trust in him. We're justified by admitting that we're sinners and giving our lives fully over to Christ and letting him work in us the way that he wants to work in our lives. Accepting that is just as important as him accepting us as righteous in his eyes. He will accept us if we accept him. So we got to make that decision for ourselves. And it's very important that we make it sooner rather than later. Relying on your own strength and downplaying the sacrifice that God gave is a huge insult to our Father. It's just a part of the foundation that we have. 
the, the Messiah died on the cross for us. That tomb stands today empty. And he is risen. And it's because of that we can say that when we trust in Christ alone, as the Apostle Paul said in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we trust in Christ alone, as the Apostle Paul said that with the conviction that he did, we can say that with the exact same conviction once we trust in Christ Jesus. In our, in our walk with Christ, don't ever let the things of this world deter you from the truth. Don't ever, don't ever let the things that people say, the things that take place, steer you away from God. Don't ever let those steer you away from Christ Jesus. Because that's the way that Satan designed it. Satan's plan, his ultimate goal, is to have us look at Christ Jesus as though he is not God. Though he's not all-powerful. That he didn't really send the Messiah to die for us. That is, that is fake. That is heresy. His goal is to give us that mindset, that interpretation of the Bible. And too many times today, we see so many people in the world fall into that trap. And I can't say I blame them. Because it's hard living our lives as a Christian. It's hard trying to stay true to our spiritual disciplines. It's hard trying to fight the battle of faith. But Christ Jesus said it's a good fight that you're fighting. And in the UFC, they're fighting for the championship. They're fighting for the gold. They're fighting for the belt. They're fighting to increase their ranking so they can fight for the belt. That's what they're fighting for. So in their eyes, that's a good fight to fight. But we're not in the UFC. We're not getting paid to fight and kick people. But what Christ Jesus said to do is to go into the world and make disciples for me. When we have that as our end goal, we'll truly understand the significance behind all the suffering that we have to experience. Behind all the pain, the death, all the stuff that takes place in our lives that gets us down, that makes us want to bury ourselves in our pillow and not want to face the sunlight. There's nothing wrong with feeling that way. There's nothing wrong with feeling that emotion that can overwhelm you when those type of things happen. There's nothing wrong with that. But when that does become a problem, is when you don't trust in Christ. That's the most important thing that we have to do, is trust in Christ Jesus. Give it all over to him. And keep fighting that fight that he called us to fight. It's not by our own works that we're able to stand before the Lord God justified. We don't have to carry that burden because God sent his son to carry that burden for us. That weight 
that we're incapable of carrying, we don't have to carry it. And this justification is permanent. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go away. And for that, that's the reason to praise him. That's the reason to be thankful for everything he's done in our lives. And that is a reason why in our relationships and the people that we interact with, that same love that he showed to us, let's show that same love to them. And let's welcome them with open arms and show them what relationship with Christ looks like. What dwelling in his presence and fully trusting in him, what that looks like. The power that you're going to experience in his presence is unlike anything that you've ever experienced. And there's just too many people that don't know that. Let's use scripture. Let's use this justification the Lord God has given us. Let's use the fact that we don't have to carry that weight that we're incapable of carrying. Let's use that to our advantage. And let's show the people in the world who God truly is. And show them that living a life apart from him is not the way to do it. But living your life in Christ and living your life for God is the way to live. I'm going to close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made send your son to die for us. You knew how important and how necessary that was. And although we are insufficient in ourselves, we thank you so much for accepting us for who we are, accepting the fact that we are sinners and that we'll never be perfect and that we'll never be even close to being like you, but still accepting us anyway, accepting us through our fault, through our faults, through our inadequacies, and letting us trust in you and fully give ourselves over to you and understanding that with you, we're so empowered that we can accomplish anything in your name. Thank you for allowing us to stand before you, justified, in your eyes and in your name. Amen.